Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater. And I'm Rachel Olson. And we're gathered around this table today because we like each other and we like you. As a matter of fact, God tells us to love Him and love others. But Rachel, there are times when we don't always agree, even if we love someone and even if we just like them. We don't always see eye to eye. And so today I want to talk about how we can agree to disagree and and why maybe we've gotten so far away from learning how to love even through our disagreements. You know, I recently took a group of students, Luann, to Italy on a study abroad trip, which was so fabulous. Um, And one of the things that we were looking at uh, as a class when we were over there was the slow food movement. And that's just simply, um, it originated in Italy, but it spread across the world. And it's just a movement that's trying to return us to the pleasure of choosing our food and cooking our food and sitting down together at the table and eating our food uh, slowly, you know, over maybe several courses and having conversations and connections. And so it's just kind of a, I guess, an alternative to uh, the, you know, drive-through culture or, you know, the McDonald's culture um, that that we've kind of uh, become. So that's what we were studying. And uh, in in the process of that, I, I heard this quote from a social um, sociologist. And so she was talking about how in our push um, to kind of uh, liberate women from the home and enable them to you know, go to college like men and work jobs like men and use their skills and their brains um, in ways to serve society beyond just serving the family in the home, which I think is uh, something certainly that I champion. Um, but she said that in, in the kind of the process of that, we wound up forgetting the importance of like the family dinner, forgetting the importance of gathering around the table and connecting and talking. And so, you know, we kind of um, went to the, you know, the TV dinner, the frozen dinner or the frozen lasagna or the, you know, the drive through meal. Um, or the Chinese delivery or whatever it might be. And so um, so this is what she says about that, about the fact that we don't eat um, together around the table very much. You know, I asked the students to raise their hands. How many of them ate together as a family uh, at least five times a week when they were growing up? And maybe about a third of the hands went up. And then I asked, mm. um, then I asked to, uh, you know, put your hand up if you, you ate together as a family around the table uh, at least three nights a week. And more hands went up, but I, I think maybe only 50%. So it's definitely a, a change that we've had in recent decades. And so um, this is what she says. The sociologist says it is the, um, that we have um, by digging, you know, kind of, downplaying food work, downplaying the importance of family meals on the table, eating together, taking the time. She says that we have unthinkingly wrecked one of the nurseries of democracy, the family meal. She says it is at the temporary democracy of the kitchen table that children learn the art of conversation 
and acquire the skills of discussion and disagreement while maintaining civility and close relationships. You know, raising five children, I remember that uh, dinner time was always a time that we would gather together. Kids would get home from school, they would do their homework, they would do their chore, and we would all help in the kitchen and come together. And I saw in your trip on one of your pictures to Italy that you all gathered together to help prepare the meal. I think that's part of it too, to to really enjoy the process of making a meal together, everybody doing their part. And so how did the kids uh, handle that? Did they enjoy it? Yes, they loved it. Now they were um, a mixture, many of them were a mixture of uh, excitement and trepidation because <laughs> they hadn't done things like this before. But yes, they all, you know, we made pies, we made pie crust, we took, we made the dough, we rolled it out, we made homemade pies, we made um, nachi, we made pasta, we made um, appetizers, we made the whole meal. And um, like I said, they, they looked a little uneasy at first first, but they all got into it and they all loved it. And it was fun to watch them eat that meal when we were done and sort of feel that sense of, you know, sort of a pride, you know, hey, I made this, I made this and it's pretty good. And I carried that tradition on to my grandkids because we have a garden. So when they come for grandma, grandpa camp, they go out in the garden and they pick different things from the garden and they decide what, who's going to make what. And so some of them will pick the strawberries and they'll, they'll clean them and make them ready for us to eat. Others will make a salad. They'll pick the lettuce and the tomatoes and the peppers and they'll make the salad. Uh, one of them loves frying fried green tomatoes. And so they all have their little thing that they've learned how to do at grandma and grandpa's house. But in the process, they've all enjoyed trying new things, tasting new things, sharing new things. Here's something we did with our kids and we now do with the grandkids. We have the high-low. And what I discovered early on having five kids around the table all the time was that everybody, either everybody wanted to talk at the same time or it was total silence and nobody wanted to say anything. So we had a rule that we would just go around the table while we were eating and everybody took a turn telling their high and their low for the day. And you, nobody could interrupt you. You got to say whatever you wanted to say and then it moved on to the next person. And by the time everybody got finished telling their high-low, then we had the opportunity to really hear some of the things they were struggling with. And some of the wonderful things that had happened to them in the day. And so then we had something in common to discuss and to share in. And I think you're right. When we miss that time around the table, something happens in the very gut of who we are. And then we don't have that to take out into the world when we grow up, into our workplaces, into our churches. We don't understand how to communicate with one another and learn how to disagree agreeably. Uh, right, because civility, <laughs> you know, uh, the the art and the effort of 
um, maintaining uh, kindness and relationship, even amidst disagreement or differences, that that kind of civility isn't needed when you're alone, when you're by yourself, when you're not uh, interacting with others, right? If we're, if we're just, um, when I just, you know, sit at home and watch Netflix, I don't need to be civil. <laughs> uh, or if, if our kids are just, you know, playing uh, on their video games or whatever, but it's when we come together and we have to kind of negotiate those interactions, that's when we need civility. And those habits of civility, um, sharing and listening and taking turns talking, as you said, and sort of navigating our differences and arguing without offending and loving uh, despite our disagreements, those get lost when we eat alone or eat on the run all the time. And, you know, the Bible has some really cool things to say about how we, how we learn how to agree and how we learn to bear one another's burdens. And what we're supposed to be doing is understanding one another, like how you tick. And I think unless you spend time together, you really never get it. You know, there are some folks that we've always called grinders <laughs> because they rub you the wrong way. And I think we all have those folks in our lives. And sometimes it's our own family. Let's be real. There are, there are all different kinds of personalities. And sometimes when, when we just don't get along that great, we just choose to back away and isolate. But that's not what the Bible tells us to do. In Romans 15, Paul is talking to a bunch of uh, followers, and he says, Look, we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. You know, I think so often it's so easy to withdraw and isolate and be alone because then we don't have the conflict. You know, we just go, ugh. I, excuse me, I'm just going to peace out and I'm going to sit over here and then I don't have to deal with it. But Paul says, no, 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 that's not what, that's not what the body of Christ does. The body of Christ says, look, I want to understand you better. I want to listen and where you're weak, maybe my strength can help you. And where I'm weak, maybe your strength can help me. And together, we're going to help share the load. But we'll never get there if we don't have conversation and understand why you disagree with me and why I disagree with you. I love where you're at there in Romans 15. Chapters 14 and 15 in Romans are uh, such great instruction for basically how to agree to disagree and still get along on on um, particularly on things that are not super crucial um, in Romans 14 the very first very beginning of the chapter it says as for the one who is weak in faith welcome him but do not quarrel over opinions do not quarrel over disputable matters one person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables um, it's kind of the, they use food as a, a running example there, Paul does in, in 14, because um, there were disputes among the, the, 
Christians at that time over whether God would be pleased if you ate meat and, and what if that meat was, you know, uh, caught by a non-believer or sacrificed for to some other God or, or, or whatnot. And so that's what the, um, so some people were only eating vegetables to avoid possibly eating meat that God might not approve of, that sort of a thing. Um, but I, what basically what it says there in Romans 14, 1 is welcome those who disagree with you. It says, as for the mm. one who is weak in faith, welcome him. Just don't get into tons of quarrels and, and arguments over over stuff like that. You eat what your heart leads you to eat. Let them eat what their heart leads them to eat. And then you two join together and worship God. Over in Romans 15, 1, in that verse where he says, now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. That word ought, when it's translated, it, it's a phileo. And it, it doesn't mean you should. It, it means that you need to do it. Like, it's an obligation. We, we aren't, this is not up for a vote. This is something that we need to do. We need to bear one another's weaknesses. And so when he puts it in strong terms like that, it's like, okay, God, how do I do that? Teach me what that looks like, because honestly, I, I know we all have the tendency to fight or flee. And if you don't really want to get into the middle of an argument, sometimes we just back away. But God says, no, there's a different way to handle that. If you can find the things about your neighbor, when he goes on to verse 2, he says, each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. And so you think about what Paul's saying here, look, when you're disagreeing on something, find something that you can agree on and how you can serve and help your neighbor. Because I don't know anything that will dispel an argument quicker than when you offer to serve them and help. Mm. Yes, I can remember um, sometimes when my uh, children were, were quarreling and not getting along, you know, uh, it's common to say, you know, tell your sister you're sorry or tell your brother you're sorry. Um, but I would sometimes make them hold hands while they did that, you know, hold your sister's hand and look her in the <laughs> face and tell her you're sorry, you know, and that seemed to get a whole nother level <laughs> of of apology <laughs> than just the, I cross my arms and look away and say, sorry. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, when you truly demonstrate connection and love and service, yeah, that can go a long ways in sort of dispelling the, uh, whatever, you know, hurt or angry feelings we might have because we're disagreeing over how, you know, something should be handled or which political candidate should be in office or whether we're arguing over, you know, whether or not the sanctuary needs remodeling or whatever it might be. And maybe when you hear that verse where Paul is saying we should please each other, you're like, wait a minute, I, I, I don't agree with that. But I want you to step back for a second and take a look at, at how Jesus treated everyone. You know, he always listened. When you think about, well, Jesus would always ask a question and then he would listen. He would listen for the answer. And he was the most compassionate man who ever walked. 
And so when we hear those words of, okay, I don't really agree with this person, but I want to hear what they have to say. And then I want to serve them. I mean, I can't help but think of the woman at the well. You know, he said, would you give me a drink? Now, that opened up conversation. And she was probably a little bit, like, maybe put off by him because you think of her background. She's always had people asking her for something. And here she is listening and talking and carry on, carrying on a conversation with the King of Kings. And she doesn't even realize it. And he listens. I think that's so critical when we're talking about agreeing to disagree. And it starts when we listen to the other person and we try to hear their heart and hear what they have to say. And then then it opens the door for us to say our part and maybe point them in the direction of how God would handle something. But then agree to serve them in some way. Because I'll tell you what, we have some projects that we do at our church. And you'll see every single type of person in a group coming together from the shyest, from the most techie to the most um, gifted in handicraft kind of things. Everybody coming together to make a project work and happen. And that's what God is telling us in the body of Christ. We can understand and show our love to one another so that others will see this crazy love we have, even when we don't agree with one another, even when we post something on Facebook that somebody wants to to slam us for. We choose not to do that. Instead, we say, I want to hear your heart. And I want to talk this through. And I want to have a meal with you. And let's talk about how you feel. And then let me serve you this meal. As a writer, I've written many things that get published in various places over the years, you know, in print and across the internet. So I have definitely gotten um, reviews or comments or uh, emails or whatever from people uh, taking issue with something that I wrote or said and, and, you know, pretty harshly and pretty much slamming me for it. Of course, that, that hurts a little, that stings a little, um, because, you know, anything that I write, I write from the perspective of uh, believing that what I'm saying is of value and hoping that what I'm saying will be of value to someone else. So, of course, it stings a little to get negative feedback or criticism. And, of course, uh, there's a part of my flesh who initially wants to fight back you know, argue back, um, state my case, back up my point, prove my point, point out the typo in their comment to me. (laughs) But if I will take the time to, to hold my tongue and sit on my hands through that little momentary fleshly response and get to a response that is much more in the spirit. And I, when I do respond to them, I very much, I thank you. I thank them for writing me. I thank them for taking the time to open up a dialogue with me, you know, and I, I just am very, very kind. I am not at all self, um, 
you know, protective or, or, you know, condemning in response or anything like that. And I, every single time, Luann, every time it just takes the wind right out of the sails the, of the anger or the indignation or the whatever the upset is. And we always get to a place of, you know, mutual appreciation, even if we don't agree on whatever, you know, the original disagreement was. And so it's so true that if you can react in in the spirit rather than react in the flesh, um, it, it lets you agree to disagree. I love the way you handle that. And to me, that reminds me of a quote that I once heard, once heard and it says, true unity demands sensitivity. So when we want to really be unified and we want to try to understand the other person's point of view, you've got to be sensitive to what what they're feeling and why they're saying what they're saying. And you know, when we read in Romans 15, we get to the fourth verse and Paul talks about hope. And he says, now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is hope right here. This is hope because it says, yeah, God's going to give us the perseverance and the encouragement that we need to be like-minded, to be of the same mind, and to be unified with one another. He's going to do that through Christ Jesus. So that's like a shoo you know, I am never going to get it right. But through Christ, if I keep seeking him and say, I, I, and I can't tell you how many times I've done this, Rachel, when somebody comes at me and says, you know, you didn't say that right, or you misquoted something, or maybe we said Calgary instead of Calvary, it, you know, whatever it is that we mess up and say unintentionally, when someone comes at us, we have that opportunity to pause for a moment and we can say, God, help me to respond so that I can be encouraging and I can build up and I can keep the unity between us. And Lord, I know that right now we're not agreeing, but through you, Jesus, through you, this can glorify father you know what though to to make that pause and to sort of pray that prayer or make that your intention for how you react you have to be willing to be unliked Mm -hmm. or you have to be willing to be misunderstood Um, you have to be willing to to, to, to allow them to disagree with you. Um, y- you just have to let go of that ego mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to say, okay, it's okay if they don't like me, they don't agree with me, they don't get what I was trying to say, they're not willing to give me any grace. Okay, I'm willing to give them grace. Absolutely. And doesn't James tell us that too? He says, why, why do you get in these arguments? It's because you're not getting what you want. And so we, if we take us out of the equation and we say, Lord, does it really, it doesn't really matter whether they agree with me or not. What matters is that we 
value the relationship over being right. Okay, if you're listening today around the table with us, and this is something that you are struggling with too, maybe you're getting into debates on Facebook, or maybe you do have family dinners around the table, and not everybody around your table agrees. Um, My best recommendation to you is to read Romans chapter 14 and 15. It does a great job of sort of laying out for us how to respond to people who don't believe like we believe or, or think like we think. It helps us know what is worth arguing over and what isn't. And may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others and lean in, listen, and love them. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at encouragementcafe.com. Are you looking for a way to maybe spruce up your quiet time? We've got something for you. If you just simply visit us online at encouragementcafe.com for a gift of any amount to the ministry, you'll get a awesome devotional coloring book. Infuse your quiet time with a little color.